Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Prepare yourself for the most frightening experience of your life. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey, I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 315. Before we get going, a reminder that you can watch the video version of the Boo Crew on Bloody Disgusting TV that's available on Roku, Vizio, and more. You can check out the on-air schedule for showtimes. This time around, Lauren and Leo are joined by creator Nicole Esposito and writer Dr. Quinn Perry of the Q Code original hit horror audio drama, The Burned Photo. The brand new second season is available now wherever you get your podcasts. Starring Catherine McNamara from The Flash and The Good Fights, Charmaine Bingois. Hear about the origins of the story, going back to a creepypasta Reddit thread, the challenges and process involved in bringing it to life, turning it into a podcast, the power of narrative through the lens of horror, and so much more. Episode 315 is now slaying. Q-Code and Vertigo Entertainment, the producer of It and The Departed, present a new horror series, The Burn Photo. This thriller, based on a popular Reddit thread about a multi-generational curse that terrifies a family, will have you on the edge of your seat as you seek to uncover the mystery. Follow the show and subscribe to listen first. Hi. Can you open the window? Who are you? I'm Katie. Do you want to play? I'm Felicia. How did you get in my backyard? Will you play with me? Um, let me ask my mom. No. She was right here. What did she say to you? Felicia, what did she say? My mother told me we were going on an adventure. What she didn't say was that we were never coming back. We never stayed in one place long. I didn't believe in the thing as I came to call it. And it came for me anyway. Bumblebee. <laughs> Fuzzy buzz. <laughs> oh, yeah, the bumblebees are gonna come for you. D is for dead soon. You'll all be dead soon. Benjamin! Where's my son? Look what I spell, Felicia. Blood, 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 blood. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew today are two creative geniuses in the podcasting world. The show is called The Burned Photo. It follows the lives of two strangers who uncover secrets and mysteries within their ancestry that have had serious repercussions brought upon their families. It's an episodic horror delight soaked in deep mystery, delivering an immersive audio experience that everyone is talking about. We welcome to the show its creators, Nicole Esposito and writer Quinn Perry. Hi. Hi. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. So we should probably get into your horror first. Do you guys remember your first impactful moment with the horror genre as a viewer? Like, what was the first film you saw and how did it make you feel? Quinn, I see you. 
I mean, I have I have my answer all queued up. Um, the first horror film that I ever saw was E.T., and I'm still scared shitless by E.T. I will not watch that movie by myself. It is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> there is something about extraterrestrials and co- people, people that shouldn't be here contacting uh contacting us that really terrifies me i don't know um, is there a specific scene in that movie that terrifies you i mean like the very first time we meet et and he goes screaming down the down, down, down the, the right. ravine or whatever that was right right um however my fear did not stop after that i mean every single scene that came after that was also terrifying so and i'm really am still very scared of him so cool <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, oh, I know. Actually, I was kind of actually kind of really happy to hear this from some of your other guests that they were very scared of horror movies as, as a child because I was very scared of anything horror related as a child. <laughs> My parents did not take me to see Hocus Pocus. I was like a little kid then because I would have been too scared. I never read Goosebumps books because they would give me nightmares. I would occasionally come upon like a scary tale to tell a scary story to tell in the dark. And then I'd like end up waking up in the middle of the night and like scaring my and like try to crawl to my parents' bed when I was a little kid because I was so scared, like sleeping with the light on. Um, yeah, I was a terrified child. I think the first actual impact, it's actually it's a TV show, not a movie, but um are you afraid of Are you afraid of the dark on Nickelodeon? Was probably my first really terrifying experience. There was an episode. I don't remember the episode. I just remember at the end, it was three people ended up getting trapped in a crystal ball, and I think I slept with the light on for a week. <laughs> I was yeah. I was not. I was anything scared me. Also, extraterrestrials as well. My dad was a kind of a bit of an alien nerd, so one time he was watching. I don't know what it was, but it was something about people getting abducted by aliens. And that's just a fear that has stayed with me my entire life. I can't watch alien stuff. <laughs> um, you, know you know, that's big business today, right? You know, that abductions by aliens are big business. <laughs> did, you guys see, did you guys see that story that came out a couple of days ago? Oh, no. there was. OK, like remember a year ago, the U.S. government, up the, the U.S. Uh, secret file and UFOs and all that saying that, yeah, they're out there and we don't know what they are. And we don't know if they're ours or there, you know, so a couple of days ago, a fifteen hundred page report came out that said, yes, the government is aware that people that have been around these sightings and or abductions have been like burned, scarred, like like brain problems, including one documented pregnancy oh no oh, no. Okay. no i mean i believe in them i feel like we're not that special there's got to be other life out there that's why it terrifies me right i'm trying to warn people about et for 40 years and now look what he's doing i'm like the exact opposite in a cult i loved all that stuff i loved rl stein books i loved yeah um was that tales from the crypt i used to love watching that show there was that there, there used to be that um movie called cat's cradle do you remember that one it was yes. like yes. oh i loved that but like et i'm out Count are there out. any uh, are there any recent uh horror movies you guys have watched that have uh had an impact on you that scared you or something you loved Yes. Um, I'm kind of a big fan of playing horror movie roulette, basically just going on Netflix or whatever streaming service I'm paying for and just 
picking a movie and maybe it's brilliant. Maybe it's, you know, a waste of two hours of my life. Uh, the last one I really actually truly loved was a movie on. It was actually it's a recent one. It was on Amazon. It was called I See You. But yeah, it was just one of those movies that, you know, I'm usually pretty good at figuring out who the killer is or figuring out, you know, you see enough mysteries, you can usually figure it out. This one right. had me, I think I like dropped my phone at some point. Yeah, it was one? very good at just, you know, giving you a story you think, you know, and then just flipping it on you. Mm -hmm. How about you, Quinn? Anything recent? Yeah, I mean, I can't think of what I've seen recently because these these questions always throw me for a loop. And then next week I'll be kicking myself for not being like, oh, my God, I just watched Candyman or whatever it was. But um, the last movie that I really remember being impacted by was the new it, I think it was. Um, yes. And I just it, it was it was scary, but I was just amazed at how creative some of those um monsters were like i just couldn't believe that that was coming out of somebody's head and that they were able to get it out of their head onto a page onto the screen and then sort of still have that that absolute terrifying you know effect of what those monsters were so that one that one stuck with me um for a while but i'm sure i've seen something more recent than that <laughs> <laughs> moving on to uh, uh the burn photo project here um there's been you know there's been a really big resurgence in audio dramas in recent years something that we haven't seen since 1930s and 40s before maybe the advent and mainstream popularity of television and wh why do you why do you think it is that podcast audio drama especially in the horror genre space today are so popular we'll go with you nicole first um well, actually, I get it because as a I, I, I have a day job, I work for a tax firm. Um, I'm bored at work. I have on a podcast. It's not even necessarily something. You know, sometimes it's just a podcast I've listened to five times. It's just background noise. It's just comfort for me. Or sometimes it's, you know, it's just a way to pass the time when I'm stuck in traffic. So I think there's a lot of situations where people are like, you know, you're stuck in traffic, you're bored at work, you're waiting, you're waiting for your laundry, you know, whatever. It's just kind of nice to have, you know, something you can just plug in and listen to. I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, like the, the other part of horror, I have a PhD in film, so I'm going to ask, answer your question in a really nerdy way, but I love it. Bring it. Bring it. <laughs> yes. Hit us That's right. Yes. <laughs> I mean, horror always comes from a space of social commentary. And so um, I think that we're living in a very interesting time right now, as people in the thirties and forties were also li living in an interesting time. We had world wars that were going on at that time. Um, you know, you've got, these, the rise of Hitler, you have all of these sort of crazy things that are happening at that time. And so it, it, it's not surprising to hear that there was, so, there was sort of like a, a lot of audio horror podcasts going on. But also in our times right now, you know, we are dealing with a lot of really crazy stuff, not only in this country, but worldwide. Um, and so the way that we do, the way that we can sort of handle that is to divorce it from the truth and put a monster on it, whether that be a vampire or whether that be a 10 meter door or whether that be, you know, um, a zombie. There's always some really interesting social context to sort of dissect. And that's what I think is really interesting about horror is that there's always something underlying, you know, the 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 fear and, and, and craziness that's sort of like on the top, on the surface. It seems like uh... Uh, on, on that note, 
Dr. Perry. It seems <laughs> like, uh, you know, looking back at all the various genres in film, it seems like horror is the one that really tackles the social commentary on not just on all sorts of issues. I mean, you can go back to Dracula. You can go back to Godzilla, you know, the 1950s. You can go 1960, you know, to uh, Night of the Living Dead, you know, all the way up to, you know, today, Get Out, you know, and 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 it's like, why is it why is it you think that horror it doesn't shy away from that where all the other you know dramas and, and sci-fi and all that they kind of don't do it as well sometimes i wonder if you know filmmakers <laughs> they're like i'm gonna i'm gonna give you this or not i mean they, not, not even just filmmakers but storytellers uh, because you know this is a podcast that we're talking about here we need to teach you this lesson. We need to present you with this information, but we know you're not going to pick up the New York Times. We know you're not going to pick up this 1300 page book and read about this. So here's some entertainment, a little cup of sugar while we're still giving you, you know, like the important social context to, to really parse out and think about. Yeah, that's very and We call for it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, Nicole, the uh, the burn photo has origins in a Reddit uh, subthread. There, uh, what, what was yes. that? The, was that something that you originally posted on a regular basis on that platform, or did the idea come from there? Basically, what happened was this is some years ago now, about 2014. I learned what creepypasta was. There was Reddit. I was not even on Reddit then. There was a no, I was on creepypasta.com back then. I was on creepypasta wiki. Basically, I just learned there's this community where horror writers just try and scare each other. And I've loved writing since I was, you know, a small child. So this was just I, I said somewhere else, I turned into the guy who just learned what CrossFit is. It was all of a sudden, it was everything. It was my favorite thing. It was, I was just, I was gonna be in this community. So I just kind of started, you know, experimenting. I read a bunch of creepypasta. I kind of saw what people responded to, what scared me. And then the burnt photo kind of, it was one of the first ones I wrote and it kind of came out of that. I based it loosely on a story, a scary story I read when I was a child about a woman who took, adopted a cat that she took a picture of and then the cat didn't show up in the photo. And that scared me to death because, you know, when I was a child, I had a bunch of I had a lot of pets. And this idea that this cute, cuddly little thing could secretly be, you know, a monster or be like this otherworldly thing, you know, scared me so much. So it was kind of a marriage of those two things. And um, also at the time I was working as an EMT, I was the company I worked for did a lot of it was an interfacility transport company. So I was spending a lot of time around um, kind of very old, very, you know, very old or very sick people. Um, so that kind of, you know, for me as like, you know, a fairly privileged, you know, at the time, 20 something, I was like, wow, I've never thought about how lucky I am to have legs that work. You know, there's just so many horrible things that could, you know, we had, you know, a, 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 it wasn't even all old people. There was a young guy who was a, who I took once who was a pair was a quadriplegic after a car accident. I'm like, you could be walking down the street and, you know, get hit by a bus and your life changes. So it was just kind of out of that stew. I just, I think that's really where the burn photo came from this, you know, yeah, it was basically my tribute to horror, to internet horror plus kind of, um, you know, just stuff that scared me. Anyways, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, it was um, a story I originally wrote to post on the internet to get some attention, to get, um, you know, to get some, to get some advice, to meet other writers. And um, originally I intended it just to be a short story. But then as kind of as, you know, kind of the years went by, I wrote other stuff. I got involved with other projects 
And I just kept on kind of coming back to it again and again and again. And I wrote a little bit more Then I would, you know, go start other projects, then come back and write a little bit more. And finally, after I think about five years of writing it in bits, I had this whole, you know, what ended up being the podcast. And I posted it on Reddit then um, at the beginning of 2020. Wow. At that time when you were posting that, were you afraid that, I mean, that the idea might get stolen, but, you know, somebody might want to away with oh, it yeah. or did you have copyright or anything or? I was, I was, I, I, I'm going to sound like an idiot saying this. I really didn't. I was, I actually, but the story did actually get stolen by somebody who stole a bunch of other stuff from Reddit writers at one point. And it ended up in this anthology, this random dude was, who had a reputation for stealing stuff was trying to sell on Amazon. He ended up getting caught because he was ripping off like 50 different creepypasta writers. So we all kind of like confronted him together. But yeah, looking back, that was very much a concern I should have had that I really didn't. Is there a way to protect yourself on Reddit? I've always been curious about that. If there is, I'm not the person to talk to about it. Um, <laughs> it was it's a lot of people playing. It's 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 the Wild West very much. It's yeah. just kind of a lot of people playing fast and loose where, yeah, there are these risks. But also what I kind of what I kind of but on the other side, though, it's also a place where there really are no gatekeepers where right. you can just go on and read 20 different stories from these completely unknown writers. And I have found so many like amazing stories and amazing writers just, you know, scrolling down the Internet. Mm -hmm. And it's like that that's where, you know, that's where you can, that's just a whole new whole new place. You know, what's like podcasts is just kind of, you know, kind of a cesspool but some really great stuff comes out of it yeah, no, anyways definitely. how did you get involved in the project and then what is, what is the process because i know you're, you're one of the writers on this what, what is the process in writing for a series like this basically i got contacted by um um actually first got contacted by um angus McLoon from vertigo who's um who I was working with and then he got in touch with q code and basically the idea um at first they're just like okay can you write us you know a series of scripts based on the story uh, cool. So I, I actually, I actually wrote out, um, you know, all two seasons of it, but then, you know, I don't have, a, I don't have a ton of experience with audio. So they ended up hiring, uh, Q-Code ended up hiring um, Jeremy Novick, who's our other co-writer. And he kind of just went over and rewrote a bunch of the scripts, made them punchier. We kind of worked together. And then um, for four of the scripts, uh, the ones Quinn worked on, they take place in, um, you know, the antebellum South in the 1860s. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very white suburban girl from California. I might want some perspective on this from somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. And at first it was kind of, you know, I'm like, okay, what do, what do I do? I don't, you know, I don't, there's a limit to how many other writers I know, you know, I don't do this professionally, but then Jeremy, we realized that Jeremy and Quinn were good friends and she has a PhD and she very much knows what she's doing. So, you know, I'm Dan Brown. She's Umberto Echo, you know? Right. <laughs> so that's how she got involved. The Boo Crew will be right back. Prepare yourself for the most frightening experience of your life. They came from within. A motion picture that takes you beyond your wildest nightmares. They came from within. What are they? Raging demons that must be exercised. Bloodthirsty creatures that must be killed. Or incarnations of absolute evil. They possess men, women, and children, and drive them to acts of unbelievable horror. 
No one is safe from them. No power on earth can stop them. The only escape is death. They came from within. If this picture doesn't make you scream and squirm, you'd better see a psychiatrist. Quick. They came from within. Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. Can you give us a brief synopsis of the burn photo, you know, where the first season takes us and what to expect in the second season without spoiling anything? Okay. Basically, the first season starts with um, a woman named uh, a woman named Felicia, who is um, her entire life. She has been stalked by a creature that takes the form of a child. He first years ago, we learned that years ago, he um, he was he was a a friend of her brother's who ended up somehow leading to her brother's to her brother's death. And now this creature, which takes, you know, takes the form of a child and just is kind of very omnipresent, is following her. And she believes it's trying it's it's looking for it's trying to get to her son. Uh, The issue with the creature, though, is it's kind of it never really hurts her. It never really does anything too intense, but it's always there. It's leaving her little messages it's setting stuff on fire, then putting it out. It's letting her know it's always there and it's always watching her, but never quite going so far to make a move. So Felicia lives in a complete, she's very isolated and she lives in a state of constant fear that she can't really talk to anybody about without sounding crazy. Because again, this thing has not actually done anything to her yet. But in the first season, she meets another girl named Kira, who is... Um, who believes she is being she, she and her family are being ta- targeted by the same monster, which they call the thing. And then the two of them together start, you know, just kind of trying to look looking into, you know, what's going on. Why is this, you know, what, 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 where did this thing come from? Why is it following us? And they learn that it's been around for years, taking the form of different children. And every time it takes the form of a child, it kidnaps another child and then it kills their family. So creepy. <laughs> and it keeps on doing that again and again and again. And they realize all the children who are dying and Kira and possibly Felicia are all related to the same four families who um, were four wealthy Southern families around the Civil War. And that's when it all started. Um, so season two is um, the two, the two, the two main characters, they very much kind of kind of um you've got a little better at figure at, at figuring out how the thing works. And now they're going to, now they're going to try and figure out how to make it go away. Nice. And also, which is actually how Quinn comes in. We learned about the thing's origins and its origins with an otherworldly sorcerer who, um, who, who random, who randomly appeared in, um, in not just Mississippi in the 1960s and before eight, 1960s, the 1850s and befriended two young enslaved men and had an impact on their lives. Um, so we're going to, yeah, season two is us learning a little bit more about the, the you know, this, this history of, of this monster and also uh, following Kira and Felicia as they finally try and fight back. I love that the uh, story does some fun things with the uh, 
jumping through time and, and, you know, introducing these various characters uh, like Zoe, for example, in season one. And, um, you know, it does some fun things and, and some, it introduces some paranormal aspects to it, which you don't see coming, which come as a surprise to the story. And that's something I really, really love. Uh, but Quinn, you know, as a writer on this as well, what are some of the challenges in fleshing out some of these characters and storylines? What were, you know, you jumping through timelines and all that. What, how do you keep track of all that? Oh, I mean, it was, I can't, I cannot lie. It's very hard. And Nicole has such an, like, like her mind. I don't know how she keeps all of the characters and and storylines and places and the family trees. She keeps all of that straight. Like, and she knows it right away. It's not like she has to like go and like look at her notebook and, and um, you know, she just has this story really planned out in her head and she um and she does a really great job of sort of like weaving together these stories you know you've 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 seen really good um television shows or heard really great podcasts it's sort of like they drop you a little nugget and then you know in, in episode 17 we see where, what why that nugget was dropped and nicole i think she did a really excellent job of um of sort of doing that same sort of storytelling. Um, it was, it was hard for me not being the creator sort of to, to make sure that I was keeping up with all of that, because sometimes I would, I might be like, Oh, we can, we can cut this character. We can cut this scene. And she'd be like, no, <laughs> we absolutely need that because it's not going to work when we get to, and I'd be like, Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, I mean, I think that that, that was probably just the most challenging thing. Cause it's such a sort of complicated, um, interwoven story with a lot of really interesting characters that also track across a wide, you know, like just such a, like a a good swath of time. Um, And, you know, like it's, it's wonderful that Nicole, like it's just in her head and she knows that they're like her family members. I'm, I'm a little scared for her. I need to make sure she doesn't have a child. <laughs> he might be getting <laughs> right. Your, your, uh, your two main characters, Felicia played by Charmaine Bingwa and Kira played by Catherine McNamara are fantastic actors in this. And it just keeps you so intrigued in the storyline. I'm sorry. You guys didn't get to talk to them. It's like you guys just, you got these broads instead. <laughs> oh, we love you. <laughs> but you're the brains behind it. You know? um, but that leads me to this question. What is the casting process for a project like this? Do you specifically seek out voice actors or can someone with a particular voice that you think might fit a character and be directed and or coached uh, to get the performance you want? Can they be a candidate for something like this? I mean, I think the, the well, the casting process um, is very much audio driven and it's a little bit hard to remember. I, I don't want to say it's hard to remember that, but you, you just kind of have to keep reminding yourself of that because as you start to get sort of the uh, people, you know, different actors resumes and their headshots, it comes with all of the traditional visual package. And so a lot of times we would just have to sort of like close our eyes because you'd be like, Oh, this person looks exactly like how I'm imagining Alphonse is going to look. And you're like, it doesn't matter if it looks like him because we will never see him. So you would just have to sort of, you know, close your eyes and just listen to their, their tone. And, you know, if, if they could, if they could sort of get to where you needed them to get. And then of course, you know, when you direct, you can continue to, to shape. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was really, really interesting. And we had um, the there is an actor name. I think his name is Daryl Brown. He played elderly Alphonse and he was just he knew this character like he just did his lines and was completely in in it. Um, And it was really sort of remarkable to watch somebody just sort of do those lines and like totally understand this character's entire journey, which is a really strange journey. It's a really bizarre journey to go on, but he absolutely nailed it. Um, and we had, you know, I mean, I've, I, there, our, our character who played um, cash was really, really incredible as well. I mean, he put everybody in tears just from doing voice acting, you know, in a, in a studio, um, I, I think we actually did him on Zoom, but like, you know, he's in his house doing doing his his part. And like literally everybody that was recording him, we all looked around. We all were just crying. Um, so it, it was it was, you know, the, the process is is very similar to casting for film or for television. But you really have to sort of t- hone in on the audio aspect of it and sort of leave all of the things that you normally are looking for in an actor as far as the visuals go. The sound design is amazing on this show. And let me tell you from personal experience on sound designing uh, audio, it's very difficult and it's very time consuming and kudos to this show because you guys nailed it. And it's so awesome. And it's just makes it so immersive Mm -hmm. listening. And especially you guys have to listen with like headphones because you hear all the little details that go into the show. How much of a process is that do you guys see it at the or listen to it at the end or is that something that you see bit by bit do they show you pieces of the sound production or you wait till it's completely done to hear how it comes together um i i so the episodes that i worked on i also directed um and i i'm a co-ep on those episodes as well and so that is being involved from every single step um, I mean, you know, they do, they do all these different cuts, you know, one is just putting, putting the dialogue together. And then the next one is putting sound effects in and the next one is adding the score. And then it's another tweak, you know, of making sure that everything sort of fits together in each one of those processes, you are, you know, we are, we are involved in, um, in sort of making sure that that sounds right. And despite how, intensive that was and how long that took and how many versions of the of the same episode I heard over and over and over again I still was scared shitless (laughs) on some of of those jumps like I I just wasn't expecting it to sound how it sounds in the earphones I've listened to this this show both in my car and like on my earphones and like if you aren't listening it with your with your headset on you're missing yeah, right <laughs> yeah. artistry yeah. <laughs> no i was just we listened to a lot of cuts a lot of you know a lot of the same episode over and over and over and um yeah with for me it was just i was just consistently amazed by just like every step of the way like wow i i you know i i've, I've read the script you know i co-wrote the script but all of a sudden it's like being in a whole new world just with the music and with the sound effects and um particularly yeah some of Quinn's episodes I was I was like tearing up 
I'm like, I have heard this <laughs> again and again and again. And yet it's just, it's, it was, it was, it was, insane. it's just that this whole project, I mean, I think my favorite thing about this is just how, you know, amazingly collaborative it's been. And, you know, when I was sitting in coffee shops writing the story, it's like, it's just the thing it is now is just immensely just it's so evolved and it's just so much more amazing than I even could have imagined because of, you know, we have Quinn's, you know, a, was Quinn was just Quinn and Jeremy as well. were both amazing at getting these incredible performances out of the actors, you know, even back to writing, you know, Jeremy had ideas for the script that I wouldn't have even thought about, you know, Quinn's just same thing and her just amazing voices for these characters and just, you know, and then from there it was, you know, it was these act, you know, the, you hear the actors and you're like, Oh my God, th this is Felicia. This is cash. They're, they're real all of a sudden. Yeah. And then you get the layer of, you know, yeah, the, of this, of the sound effects. And it's, again, it's, Oh my God, this world is real. And then, you know, from there, the music, the, you know, every, the mix, everything, it's just by the end, I'm like, I didn't even think this would have been possible. This is just, it's just this whole fully formed little thing now. And it was just, it was just being amazed again and again and again, which is, I think, was my favorite part of all this. There's also just something really interesting. I, I haven't done this outside of COVID, so I can't tell you how it is like, you know, normally. But there's just so much of these sort of like Zoom interactions and like you're doing sound over Zoom a lot of times, which is very oh, wow. different. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and a little bit more difficult. And I realized how much you have to sort of like if I'm talking to the sound guy who's, you know, in East LA or wherever he lives and we're on zoom and I'm just like, okay, that gun sound wasn't the right gun sound. And I don't know enough about guns to be like, it should be this type of gun, but I'm like, no, this, remember this is 1862. Like, you know, like, or, you know, whenever it's in the 1860s, it shouldn't sound like, you know, cock, cock. like it, it just sounds crazy to have to like articulate. And if I could have just been next to him, I might've been able to like pull up a picture or been like, this is what kind of sound does this gun make? I just know what it sounds like in my head. And so you, it, it's, it was really sort of interesting to have to be able to communicate those really specific things that you need that either weren't quite working or like they were completely wrong. Those were even more difficult. And then somehow like these sound people are just the engineers on this project were really, really incredible. Like they just knew how to get you where you needed to get um, with however inarticulate I was being trying to <laughs> explain what I, what the thing that, it, that I did that, it was supposed to be. So, um, yeah, I mean, just doing this over COVID, I think added a whole different element as it has for everything. Right. But with sound, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really different process, you know? What do you guys like working with Q code and how do they empower these stories? I mean, I think for Q code, I was just, you know, they, they, they took a big chance on, you know, I, I'm, you know, this nobody's Reddit thread. And I think, um, I think my favorite, my favorite thing, my favorite thing about working for them was just how supportive they were. You know, they're a very, you know, they're, they're kind of a small company and it just, if, you know, it felt like whenever I needed something, I could ask them and they're not going to judge me. They're not going to, you know, treat me like I'm stupid. It was just, they were, they were very supportive and very um, understanding and um, very, very dedicated to this project. And um, I, 
you know, very kind of, what am I even saying? It was, it, it was just, it felt like working, it felt like working with other people who were very passionate and other people who were very much um, interested in empowering, you know, people who otherwise, you know, I don't have an agent. I, I wouldn't know where to start getting my stuff to like a big, you know, production company or whatever. But with them, it just, it, it felt like, um, you know, very, I don't want to say startupy because it does exist. It's it's not. They're very organized and very good at what they're doing. But it felt like you know working with friends. It felt like working with people who are going to just you know very much be supportive of you. I don't know. I don't know if that answered your question. Oh, that that's awesome. That's so great. I mean, they have podcasts with like Matthew McConaughey and Demi Moore. Like, I was so impressed by their connections. <laughs> oh my god! Crazy. I was like, yeah. So awesome. Especially when you have a uh, Roy Lee on your podcast. I mean, his name is on everything horror these days. Th- this show, this, this podcast uh, made me think of like these great shows that are popping up on, on like Netflix, for example, like archive 81, you know, podcast turn series, which is fantastic. Uh, which unfortunately did not get renewed. Oh, um, it did? No, unfortunately, but um, it made me think, you know, I could see this show. I could see the burn photo as a series, a very intriguing series on a streaming platform. Are there any plans to bring this as a live action series? As of now, as of now, it's it's it would be it would be it would be amazing. Um, You know, let's just say maybe, (laughs) No, nothing, nothing's nothing set in stone now, but maybe. So, so yeah, that's, you know, or, or maybe you should say no comment. (laughs) or wink wink twice if you know something (laughs) i mean i think that nicole's way of of sort of approaching this entire process has been excellent and and because podcasting in this in this this time period is sort of still new and it is a little bit of the wild west it will eventually change but i think that her creation of this project at this time is exactly right. And the fact that she started this as a short story that she put on Reddit that then was picked up by a podcast that could then become a television show. It's like this really great sort of IP gravy train. And that's how a lot of things are sort of, I mean, whether or not it be a podcast, so many things sort of need that sort of like the IP to push you onto, onto screen. Um, And so I know that she would not be at all sad if it takes this next step <laughs> to to television, but it's kind of cool to me that that she's not sort of just moving with that in mind, um, that she's doing something that she's very passionate about and it is making its way to the next step, the next step, the next step every time she finishes the last step. As we uh, wrap up here, the show is called The Burn Photo. You can find it everywhere you get podcasts. I'll look for it. It's an immersive audio experience. It is fantastic. Listen with headphones, listen in the dark, listen in your car, <laughs> but make sure make sure you listen. It's a fantastic show. Uh, Nicole Quinn, thank you so much for your time. Yes, and thank you. We look forward to everything you got going on next. Keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> definitely will that was the Boo Crew Podcast episode 315 special thanks to our guests Nicole Esposito and Dr. Quinn Perry the time of release the second season of their original hit horror audio drama The Burn Photo is available now wherever you get your podcasts 
Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's Trev for the Boo Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy or disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.